Welcome to another episode of the Bottom Up Revolution podcast, featuring the stories of the Strong Towns movement in action. I'm Rachel, your host. Today's guest is a Strong Towns member and sits on the Strong Towns advisory board, and she is an occasional writer on our website as well. Basically, a Strong Towns all star. Tiffany Owens currently lives in Waco, Texas, but before that, she was going to school in New York City, where she recently graduated from the King's College, and prior to that, she lived in a bunch of different places. In this conversation, Tiffany talks about the trade-off between big city excitement and the possibilities for connection that can sometimes come more easily in a smaller place. Tiffany is deeply committed to understanding urban places and helping others to shape their communities into stronger towns. She does this through her blog and Instagram account, Cities Decoded, and she's also recently joined up with her local neighborhood association, so we chatted about the joys and challenges of neighborhood organizing too. At the end of the day, Tiffany really wants to help people open their eyes, put down their phones, and truly see their cities to give real attention to the places and people around them. Finally, we capped off the interview with a discussion about the power of religious communities and other sources of what Tiffany calls associative culture, something that's become increasingly rare in this day and age. What's lost when we give up these places of connection, and is there a way to find them again? I hope you enjoy this conversation with Tiffany Owens. Tiffany Owens, thank you for joining me for this episode of the Bottom Up Revolution podcast. We are so glad to have you. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So can you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and your journey towards being interested in in urbanism and community issues? Yeah, I like the fact that you use the word journey to frame this question, because for me, it actually has been a literal journey. Um, I grew up moving and traveling all the time with my family for my father's work. I once wrote out all the cities I've lived in and how many times I've moved, and then I just stopped because it was just getting too long. But yeah, transience, travel, exploration, it's just been part of my story since my earliest days, I guess you could say that, and writing. Um, So when I left home for college, I moved to New York City ended up dropping out after two years because I got an opportunity to work for a national magazine as a journalist. And that job required even more travel and which meant more opportunities to explore more cities. So this has just been kind of a theme for me. And that's kind of led to two things. First, it led to an interest in just like cities themselves as a built environment. So I really started to pay attention to the built environment during these solo road trips. I would travel by myself. I traveled by myself for two summers, and then I ended up living on the road for a year after I left the magazine and, and did my own journalism project. Um, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, really started getting interested in just like cities and design. I remember driving through different neighborhoods and wondering why they looked differently, why I would see different people in different parts of town, why they would change aesthetically. But what really hit me was when I uh, was living in Asheville, I moved there after New York um, for work. Sorry, I'm kind of, my 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 timeline is kind of jumping all over the place, but went from New York to Asheville for, for this job with the magazine. Really had um, got hit by some culture shock because I, I didn't understand, really I didn't have language to understand the difference between like a city and like a suburb, even though I had been exposed to them. It was the first time that I realized that there were categorical differences between them. 
Um, started reading Jane Jacobs' book, The Death and Life of Great American Cities. And that's really when the urbanism side of things clicked because she really like put into words, not so much like this is this philosophy of design and this is what this type of design means. It wasn't so much like that. It was more of just this sort of like intuitive explanation of the mysterious and uncoordinated way that cities work. It has that phrase like the ballet of the city streets. Um, So she just really helped me understand what it was that I loved about New York and what I was struggling with since I had left was sort of that culture of the streets, like seeing people. It just made me realize like what I loved about the city were people I perhaps was struggling with the loss of that sense of like public street life or I don't know, just that sort of mysterious, magical feeling of being in a city. I can't really put it in words. Yeah. So that book really sparked an interest in the design and practices and policy side of things like, oh, okay, there's a whole science and technique and art to like the building of a city. Um, But then I would say the other side of it was it also happened in Asheville when um, I was walking down the street and someone noticed me, they recognized me and they just yelled out their window and they were like, hi, Divini. Now for a girl who had grown up, never feeling like any city was home or never feeling like actually connected to a community that was one of the most shocking and exciting experiences of my life probably because it just it was so I was actually really emotional when it happened um and it was like something just hit me in my soul and I was like this is normal (laughs) like this is good like this is what I've been looking for is that feeling of walking around and being recognized and being recognized as part of a community even in this really small way. And so that really inspired the other side of the conversation about cities, which is not just the built environment, but also the community and what makes you feel like you belong, what makes a place feel like home. Um, and so yeah, I'm just interested in both sides of these conversations, both like how do we build interesting places, but also like how do we um, recover a, a culture, I guess, or like a set of cultural practices that that help more people feel at home in those cities um, and feel more connected to each other. Yeah, that's beautiful. So where do you call home now? Um, and what is that community like? Yeah, home is a funny question for me. I don't have one particular city right now that feels like home. Right now I live in Waco, Texas. I moved here from Brooklyn a year ago, which is a bit of a detour. Um, I think sometimes I'm still in culture shock. <laughs> so I think I'm still having, yeah, I'm kind of going through a second round of like, oh, okay, moving from New York to a- another city and trying to process the differences between these places. Um, it was a very spontaneous move. And in some ways, I would say I'm really glad to be to have some time away from New York City, primarily because my community here in Waco is defined by proximity in a way that it was never, I never experienced community that way in in New York City. I had really great friends, but they were all scattered all over the city. And so you didn't really have that ordinary life kind of community where you could see people at the coffee shop where you knew, you know, you could run into people all the time who you knew from church or who you knew from, you know, spin class or who you knew, you know, from, I don't know, the coffee shop. <laughs> Even this morning before, uh, this morning I went to coffee to the coffee shop and this sweet lady, I see her every Friday and she's always like, you look so cute. I love your hair. She's just so nice. Um, so today we actually talked. I like improved myself and she told me a little bit about her story and I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure I'll see her every Friday. Um, it's just kind of our thing. Yeah, it's been interesting coming here to Waco, um, being part of a church and starting to just build friendships 
um, but also, but really feeling like these are not just friendships where it's like, okay, I'll see you once a week and then maybe we'll have to fight for an, an hour to get coffee once every three weeks. It's like, oh, I'll see you on Sunday, but then I'll also just like pop over your house unannounced or I'll see you at this time or we'll grab drinks on this day because we just know. And it's just been interesting to, to transition from one city um, where friendships were defined by competition for each other's time. Yeah, it's just more of an integrated, holistic experience. Yeah, so I, I'm really lucky to have lots of really good friends here. We're really, you know, Baylor University is here, so a lot of the a lot of the students there, uh, masters and PhD candidates, they go to my church. So I'm surrounded by really smart people, and they they tolerate me debating them all the time about cities and trying to explain to them. So I'm really lucky. It's really good to have friends who are willing to listen to you. But on the other hand, I'm also trying to get involved in my neighborhood association so I can really get to know people who are from the community, people from different contexts and experiences, people who perhaps have lived here longer and really have a different perspective and different insight on the city of Waco. Um, so I'm really just trying to kind of take a holistic approach to um, how I build a community here, both having those close friends, you know, and then having acquaintances, but then also just having neighbors, like people who I know just because we live in the same city and we spend time, you know, together in some kind of way. I'm glad you mentioned your neighborhood association because I wanted to hear more about that. I know that you're thinking about trying to help them kind of um, reboot a little bit and, and get back up and running. What's it been like to connect with that group and what are your what are your hopes for the future with them? Yeah, um, so this is kind of a funny accident. I'm not. <laughs> um, I'm still trying to categorize it in my own mind because what happened was, well, what has happened is um, I've been living with some friends of mine, working really hard on Cities Decoded, um, my main research project, and I was like, you know, Tiffany, you sure spend a lot of time talking and writing about getting involved in cities. You should probably get involved in yours. So I was like, you're right, brain. You are correct. So I like went did some sleuthing, found my neighborhood association, and was like, I'm just going to go. I'll be a fly on the wall. And if I have to switch because I might be moving, like I'll just switch to a different one. No one will even notice me. I'll just learn from them because they know so much more about these kinds of things. And I'm just going to take notes um, and try to listen. Well, I show up. <laughs> That is most definitely not what happened. I'm from like day one, I was kind of thrown into a very um, involved role of kind of helping them like organize events. And I had all this background in marketing and even in the startup world. And, and they were explaining like kind of how they go about things. And I'm really big on frameworks and tools and practices and stuff like that. And so as they were talking about it, I was like, oh, um, I, you know, in my mind, I was like, I think we can apply a lot of what I do in marketing to how they're approaching this event. And so I just kind of started throwing out idea after idea. I was like, what if you did this? What if you did this? And it was really basic stuff to me. But literally, I quote them. They were like, oh, my gosh, you're like a shot in the arm. <laughs> it kind of sparked this really funny dynamic where um, I have just this amazing opportunity to come alongside them as they reorganize as they are reorganizing after COVID-19. They haven't been meeting for about a year now. Um, and we've just been talking about like the association's history. We've been experimenting and, and just brainstorming like new ways to organize the association so that it generates a long-term um, participation and uh, they can avoid burnout. 
Um, and so I've been trying to play around with this idea of like outcomes oriented organization. It's still very, I mean, I'm sure I'm not the one who came up with this. It's like emerging. I'm basically like merging lots of different frameworks and ideas that I've heard about in other places, but just trying to think, how can we bring this principle to the way that this association runs so that instead of being organized around the idea of preserving the association, we can be organized around the idea of achieving tangible outcomes and, regulating which outcomes we pursue by the amount of people who are involved and by their strengths and by their interests. So yeah, we've had a membership drive. We're having a big event next weekend. Um, I It's still all kind of experimental right now. So I'm sure in a few months, I'll have more interesting insights to share. But it's been really rewarding to um, work alongside these people who do know the community. They know its history. They've been involved in the association for a long time. And to um, feel like I'm able to contribute some new ideas and frameworks to help them reorganize and um, relaunch in a way that feels more sustainable to them. Um, So we'll see how it goes. We're still in the early phases of testing some new ideas. Um, But I'm really excited um, and really encouraged by their receptivity and um, just the possibilities of what we might be able to do. That's great that you plugged into that group. And it really seems like the the outcome orientation, as you described it, that makes a lot of sense. I think you're totally right that a lot of, you know, neighborhood groups or other types of uh, kind of associations can just exist to sort of perpetuate themselves rather than remembering, okay, we actually are here to do something. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, I love that. I mean, I think a lot of them do have good intentions and they really do, um, want to have a positive impact. I just think, uh, you know, we have to pause and reevaluate the frameworks that have been handed down to us from the past couple of decades and, and, and then pause and think like, wait, are these frameworks and systems and processes and practices really the best for achieving this, these outcomes? And do they really reflect the community and the people around us? And also just thinking of like your, your number one goal as an association is to inspire participation. It is not to exist as an association or to defend the bylaws. You know, your number one goal is to inspire participation, long-term sustainable participation. And so I'm, I'm just having a lot of fun trying to crack that code of like, how do we, how do we organize ourselves and communicate what we do in a way that inspires ordinary citizens to consider this a worthwhile use of their time? Um, so yeah, we're having a lot of fun. They're they're being very patient with all my startup language, and I'm like, guys, we can you know all these quirky little tools and phrases and jargon, and I'm kind of walking them through it. I'm like, what if we try this? And what if we try that? And what if we do this? And um, I think it's going to be a lot of fun the way we've we've structured it. So I can give you an update in a couple months if it works. <laughs> yeah, please do. Yeah, I, I'm also just struck by the fact that despite that you've you know moved around so much you're just a few years out of college um and it sounds like you know who knows how long you will be in Waco you still decided to like invest in the community and be embedded i mean i know that for myself like i've also moved around several times since um you know leaving home at 18 and i have often said you know oh i'm only going to be here for like four more months so like why would i you know get really involved in the community because i'm just going to leave so yeah i just i respect the fact that you have decided to be embedded and invested um despite like not knowing okay if am i going to be here for the next five years i think that's that's very inspiring yeah it's um it's kind of one of those things where i 
um, believe is a good thing, but I'm still learning it at the same time. Um, if that makes sense, I'm sure you can relate to that. Like under, like understanding something on a conceptual level, but um, having to still learn to integrate it into who you are as a person through action. And so I guess that is part of what's driving me here. Um, or part of the inner dialogue, I guess, that I've been having with myself of like the tension between wanting to stay, you know, free in a way and un, un what's the word, like not too detached yeah. in a way, mm-hmm. because it does make it easier to go on to the next adventure whenever the next adventure reveals itself. Um, but if you think there's, there's something valuable about investing that will, you know, perhaps prepare you for the next thing. I, I guess that's kind of what I'm learning. Sort of the relationship between, well, I'm not going to invest so that it's easier to, to go on to the next thing, or I'm not going to invest because I don't know how long I'll be here. I guess I'm being challenged to question that as a framework for my life. And so this is definitely like experiential learning. <laughs> and I guess also too, I mean, I wrote a piece on participation in cities and communities and I and I sort of convicted myself by writing that piece um, and I think the main thing for me was um, it boiled down to a question of integrity and for me like integrity is the result of your actions lining up with your values um, for me it just became very clear that if I value this and if I'm going to recommend this line of action and kind of lifestyle to other people it should probably be something that I'm living out myself um, but you can't, you can't just have a value in your head you have to have the only way it gets baked into you as a human, as part of your character, is through action. Um, and so for me, it has less to do with achieving some ideal, more to do with this is just the trench work of developing a certain kind of character. Um, and yeah, so if I say I care about people and these things and that it's virtuous to be part of these conversations, then I can't just have that idea. I have to also like integrate it into who I am by actually going out and doing it. So it's been a long conversation that I've had with myself and I'm, it's exciting to see. Yeah. It's just, it's exciting to, to kind of take it to the next level and and start to apply it um, in a very real way with how I live my life. So tell us about your blog and your, your Instagram presence cities decoded. Um, What inspired you to start that? And what is your, what is your goal with that? Yeah. So I started um, cities decoded originally. I started it in 2017, but then I, kind of panicked because I didn't really understand what it takes to organize something resembling a small business, or I don't even know what I thought it would be at that point, but um, got quickly overwhelmed, bought a one-way ticket to Europe, <laughs> and sort of put the idea on the back burner and worked on some other projects. And then in 2020, in the middle of COVID, um, I was still in Brooklyn and a friend of mine who I had been working with on another project related to civics. He just knew how much I loved Cities Decoded and he kind of gave me the the pep speech that I needed. And I went home and sat down and was like, all right, Tiffany, you have one goal. Just produce content consistently for Instagram. Take these um, large concepts that you've been researching that you really care about and and just start start somewhere. So that's kind of the story behind how it got kind of like actually started. But the idea behind it... Um, is rooted in, in frustration because I remember when I first got interested in cities, I wanted to find a place where I could just get all my questions answered. And I could not find such a resource. I'm not sure that it exists. <laughs> Maybe I've started to see some improvement, um, different, different organizations putting some coherent um, resources out there. But 
basically, yeah, I was just frustrated. I was like, I have all these questions about cities. I have all these questions about design and urbanism and urban issues and policy. Cities are an ecosystem, right? And, and I just found that I had to keep bouncing from source to source to source to try to bring it all together in some sort of coherent narrative. And I remember thinking, wouldn't it be great if there was one place an ordinary citizen could go to just learn how there's to, to be oriented and to be guided through this ecosystem so they could just have a functional knowledge of how cities work. Um, and so that's part of what I do, uh, which is hope, my hope that right now it's just the Instagram and the blog, but the long-term goal is to really build it into a holistic educational platform that would, would empower and educate ordinary citizens with the knowledge they need to participate in the conversations shaping the cities they love. The other side of it has to do with this idea of seeing, I call, I call it like city consciousness, which is this idea of like, I think at the heart of the conversation about improving cities is helping people to really see their city um, and to really awaken to the built environment around them and start to ask questions. And so I have this idea of like, what does it mean to question the city? And I hope, I guess one reason why I make the content that I do is because I'm hoping to inspire people to stop, to start really looking at their cities, to start paying attention and to start asking questions about like, how did it get this way? Why is it this way? Is this really the best way things ought to be done? And what are the implications of this for our future? Um, and what are the implications of this for our happiness and our cohesion and just strength as a civic body? And so that's that's a big part of what I do, just trying to make content that help that helps people pause and question their city. Yeah, because I think cities need attentive citizens. That's probably one of the most important parts of building healthy, lovable places are citizens who know how to pay attention and really see see the city around them. On that note of trying to see your city, I know that you recently created this city discovery toolkit. Um, which is a cool resource for people. Um, tell us about that. And also like, how can people access that if it's available publicly yet? So the city discovery toolkit is a, it's a simple free resource. It's just eight simple action steps for people who do want to take the next step and begin to see their city, um, begin to re rethink their relationship to their city um, and perhaps like try different ways of orienting themselves um, and exploring their their city. Um, so I just went through, I guess, like all my years of traveling and being, you know, writing as a journalist, doing street reporting, and just remembering, like, what did I do um, that helped me understand these places, understand these cities, and basically drew on all those experiences to create these eight simple steps that people could. It's kind of like a checklist, like eight different things you can do to deepen your knowledge of your city. Um, so. Um, yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. <laughs> I've been working on it for a really long time. You can download it at toolkit.citiesdecoded.org. I am also making, I'm creating a discussion group around it. Um, so also want to give people an experience of being able to connect with other people who are going through the toolkit at the same time. And so we can get together and talk about our experiences, talk about what we've seen, talk about the questions we have. Um, and I'm really excited about it. I think I'm going to learn a lot from 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 the people who are using the toolkit. And um, yeah, I'm really just hoping that it inspires a new kind of a new kind of relationship um, with with our city, um, one that's a little bit deeper and a little bit more attentive. 
Yeah. You have these really good, um, very simple, but so powerful action steps in here. Like take a walk, ride public transit. Um, and I can totally relate to, I, I really understand how those things can help you see your city differently. Like that's, I think this is in my bio on the Strong Towns website is that like my favorite way to get to know a new city is just to like go for a walk. Even if it's literally just around the block, like you see so much in such a different way than you do if you're just like breezing through in a car. Um, and same with, yeah, like riding the bus. Um, you have some steps uh, that encourage people to just like meet neighbors or meet business owners and um, all these great like question prompts and kind of questions that will help people reflect on what they're learning. So this is fantastic. And um, the idea of connecting with other people that are going through this is cool too. Yeah. I just, I think that making meaningful change in our city, you know, really does require people becoming willing to pause and think, you know, um, we need to start slowing down and pausing and reorienting ourselves in the city and questioning the way that it's been designed um, and questioning the status quo. Like, why is it normal to not see people out and about on the street? You know, you can see car after car after car after car and parking lot to parking lot to parking lot, but we don't see humans. Why is that normal? You know, why is it normal to not have grocery stores in our neighborhoods? Why is it normal for children to not be able to bike to their friend's house alone? Like, why is it normal that we don't talk to our neighbors? I think we need to start asking these questions. Like, part of it, yes, we need better policy, we need better design, we need better financing mechanisms. But the other part of it is attention. You know, we need more people paying attention putting down their phone, you know, walking backwards. It's kind of how I think about it. Like, or, or I don't know if you, whenever you were a child, you kind of like, I'm sure, you know, we all did this, but we, whenever you would hang upside down or, or do like a handstand or something outside or a headstand and you would see the world from a completely different perspective and all of a sudden you would see things you never saw before. Like what I'm trying to do with the toolkit is like walk backwards. <laughs> when you walk backwards, in real life, like literally, you see the entire environment differently because you're you're completely changing your orientation to it. And I think that's what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to encourage people to start walking backwards in your city. Like ride the bus. I know you never do. Take a walk without your phone. Like just take a walk. Like go speak to a neighbor. It will all be uncomfortable and like maybe feel a little awkward. But I think this is what it I think it's just an essential ingredient to rethinking the American city and, and, and figuring out like, how are we going to make our cities more lovable, more prosperous, more stable? Um, a, a part of that um, are our citizens who are attentive and citizens who've taken the time to rethink things. And it's not about having the answers and finishing the toolkit. You're not going to finish the toolkit and become like an urban expert, even just taking the time to uh, reconfigure your, or your, your relationship to your city um, will go a long way in, uh, positioning, you know, just ordinary people to contribute helpful insights to the conversations about the direction our cities are going. Before we close, uh, something that I'm noticing coming up in this conversation that you've mentioned a few times is your church community. And I think that that is something that, you know, a lot of folks might relate to um, having, you know, hopefully in your neighborhood or um, somewhere nearby, this sense of community um, that's different from, you know, your coworkers or even, you know, the, your friends that you hang out with on the weekend. Um, I feel like religious communities are this unique meeting place of lots of different sorts of people, people of different ages. Do you see religious community um, or other sorts of, you know, associations, um, community groups as, as an important piece of making stronger towns? 
Absolutely. I'm glad you asked this. Um, I was thinking a lot as I was preparing for this interview about uh, what I call associative culture. I don't know if associative is a word. I could very well be inventing it, but I'm going to go with it because even if it's not, I think it should be. One of the questions you, you had sent me for preparing was, like, what are some of the challenges cities are facing? And one thing that has come to my mind over and over again was the one of the biggest challenges is the loss of associative culture. Um, Americans used to have a we used to have a really strong associative culture in this country. It's something that de Tocqueville noticed when he came to the state. I have this quote. He says, America is among the countries of the world, the one where they have taken most advantage of association and where they have applied that powerful mode of action to great to a greater diversity of objects. There is nothing the human will despairs of attaining by the free action of the collective power of individuals. And so I think one of the biggest challenges that American cities today are facing is the challenge of how do we rebuild? How do we rebuild an associative culture? How do we rebuild associations? And I think religious associations are probably the last kind that do still exist. I'm not saying there are none. It's not nearly as strong or as vibrant as they used to be. I have a whole long (laughs) theory on why that is. We won't go into it for now. But yes, I think churches um, are perhaps one of the last forms of associative culture that we still have. Um, And I think there is a great opportunity for churches to reclaim their role in the community, to reclaim the way that they can. They are positioned to organize people from various backgrounds and various um, cultures and socioeconomic classes and races and ages um, and to harness that power of collective thinking, collective action, um, or just to facilitate conversation at the heart of rebuilding or or figuring out what, what is the future of the American city. It can't just be new pretty buildings and walkability and smart urbanism. It also has to have this heart of, of neighborliness and associative culture again. Um, figuring out how to rebuild that. I think churches can be a great place, a great starting point for that conversation. But I think it's a conversation that definitely needs to continue to happen. Yeah, agreed. So to close this out here, what advice would you give for other people who want to start to take action, start to take those small steps to make their towns stronger? Um, Especially I'm thinking like fellow young people who might be, you know, not sure where they're going to land, not totally settled in a place yet, but living somewhere and wanting to be more engaged in in making it stronger. What what advice would you suggest as a starting place? Yeah, I I would say start small. Um, I would say just start going for walks in your city without your phone, walk different neighborhoods, walk your neighborhood, walk an errand. Walking is really just one of the best ways to get started with this process of reorienting your relationship to your city and really taking the time to pay attention and to notice. I would say um, get to know your neighbors. And if you have a neighborhood association, even if it's boring and frustrating and super organized, you'll go. You can learn a lot. And more than anything, it will allow you to build, um, build a certain virtue. I mean, it's just an opportunity to grow in virtue and grow in character in lots of ways. And so if you care about being involved and if you think it's just remotely a good idea, that's great. And showing up to these conversations is just a great way to to integrate it into who you are as a person. Um, I would say, um, make time to find people who've been in the community for a long time and just ask them to coffee, ask them what they love about the city, what, how they, how they have noticed that it's changed what they're hoping for, what they think the challenges are. 
And then I would say find one organization, find one person, find um, one, you know, group who's doing something related to something that you care about and just find a way to contribute, you know, two to three hours a month of your time. Find, I like the phrase of like, find a local champion, find a local hero and come alongside them and support them. You don't have to start something new. You don't have to be the hero, um, but just coming alongside and contributing your skills, even if it's a small business you really love, if you're really great at graphic design, ask to volunteer some design work for them. If you find, you know, an animal shelter that you really love, like start volunteering, a community garden, like start volunteering. List a few hours a month. Um, and I think combining that with uh, an, a new practice of attention, of attentiveness um, and conversations with people, I think it will begin to, you know, the next steps will emerge from that. You know, the, the next best way for you, for you to invest your civic capital will become clear. There's no one size fits all for everybody, but I think those are probably some good ways to get started. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Tiffany, for joining me for this conversation. Um, where can people find you online and if they want to follow your work or connect with you further? Yeah. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Cities Decoded. That's probably the best place to reach me. You can find my website at citiesdecoded.org. You can download the toolkit at um, toolkit.citiesdecoded.org. You can email me, citiesdecoded at gmail.com. Awesome. Thanks, Tiffany. Great to talk with you. Thanks so much for this opportunity. I really appreciate it, Rachel. <laughs> all right, y'all. I will make sure to share links to some of Tiffany's articles and all her websites and whatnot um, in the show notes. Quick reminder, we are just a few weeks until Chuck's newest book, Confessions of a Recovering Engineer, Transportation for a Strong Town, comes out. That release day is September 8th, so you've only got a couple more weeks to get a pre-order in. Reminder, pre-orders are really helpful for us because they help get the book in front of more people. Um, they help boost us up on the Amazon charts and all those other like bestseller lists so that more people can receive this message, can hear more about Strong Towns. So if you pre-order um, within the next couple of weeks, you can access our special bonuses like immediate access to chapter one of the book and um, my favorite, a new set of videos we just uh, started releasing, 30 Days of Confessions, we're calling them, and they feature just really short form, shareable, bite-sized information, ideas, blow your mind sort of stuff from the book. I will go ahead and just like give you guys a little teaser of one of those I'll, I'll share a link to those um to that for you even though you all haven't pre-ordered yet um but if you want to get the whole 30 days set make sure to pre-order the book and then fill out the form on the confessions website uh, so we can get you all your pre-order bonuses that website is confessions.engineer as always feel free to email me or send me in a voicemail rachel at strongtowns.org I love to hear from you guys, whether it's feedback on a show, information about what you're doing. Um, some of you have recommended guests, which has been really fruitful. So thanks for being in touch with me and uh, making sure that I'm not just speaking into the void and not receiving feedback from you all about how I'm doing and how I can make the show better for you, more helpful, etc. Finally, thank you to our Strong Towns members, right? Thank you to Tiffany. She's such an inspiring person. I know that there are 
thousands and thousands of you out there who are also fantastic, inspiring people who also care about strong towns and who are members supporting this movement. If you are among those people, thank you so much. And if you are considering yourself among those people, but you just haven't taken that step to make a donation and formally become a supporting member, please do that. Visit strongtowns.org slash membership. We really appreciate your contributions. It's crazy to say this, but it's August and we're already starting to think about like what 2022 looks like for Strong Towns. And there are some things we are really excited and eager to do particularly in the realm of providing more resources for you. Um, We're thinking about starting some coaching and um, more trainings and just like more ways to get you all out there taking action. We want to support you. Our members are who make that all possible. If you're able to support us, please visit strongtowns.org slash membership and help us as we're planning for the future of this movement. Um, Help be a part of that planning as a member and then also help financially support that future. Thank you so much. All right. I will see you back here next week for another episode of the Bottom Up Revolution podcast. Take care.